Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? My name is Brendan Wall. I am the founder and host of the Dad the Man podcast. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please do me a huge favor and leave us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. I can't thank you enough for your support. It helps us more than you know. Today's guest is none other than The Bachelor himself, Sean Lowe. Sean is best known for his role in the 17th season of ABC's The Bachelor, which is a role that he earned after a top three finish a year earlier on The Bachelorette. In fact, as far as I know, he's the only Bachelor to remain married to the recipient of the final rose. You may also know Sean from appearances on Dancing with the Stars, Family Feud, Wife Swap, and others, or as the author of his book, for the right reasons. Sean now lives in Texas with his wife, Catherine, and their three kiddos. Together, they run a business called Home by Sean and Catherine Lowe, which I must admit sells what appears to be the most comfortable furniture that I have ever seen. Just these massive uh, couches and love seats and stuff like that. It looks incredible. But besides the fame and success that Sean has experienced, he's a humble dude who is rock solid, rooted in his faith, and he's an amazing man, husband, and father, which is why I was so excited to have him come on the show. So here is my conversation with the Sean Lowe. All right, and we are live here on the Dad the Man podcast. Today we have a special guest, uh, The Bachelor himself, Mr. Sean Lowe. Uh, and Sean, before I let you jump in here, I want to first give you a quick shout out. And uh you know, you've done a lot in your life. You know, you got to play college football at the Division One level for a Hall of Fame coach. You were on The Bachelorette. You were The Bachelor, you know, pop culture icon. Uh, you know, you're a successful entrepreneur and doing very well in your own right in business and, um, and a lot of other things. Uh, but on top of that, man, you just make being a great husband, being a great father look really cool. And uh, for that, I thank you for, for leading from the front and being a great example for the rest of us guys out there. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. That's that's high praise because I see myself as just like a lame, ordinary dad. So uh, I'll, I'll take that. Perfect. Um, so to get started off here, we'll ride into some uh, some warm up questions. Um, not, nothing too crazy. Get things warmed up and then uh, we'll start digging a little bit deeper. All right, so first question, scale of one to 10. And this is just for my own curiosity. How awkward is it trying to flirt and get to know somebody when you know that you've got a camera coming at you from every different angle and you know everything you say is going to be very, very deeply scrutinized. You know, the crazy part is I would probably say two or three. And here's Man. the reason why. You spend so much time. So anytime they're, they're filming you on The Bachelor, there's at least a dozen people surrounding you. Producers, cameramen, sound techs. Um, but you spend so much time with those people, you get to know them, you get to feel really comfortable with them, but you also start to realize they don't care. They're not listening. Um, so it's almost as if, you know, it takes a few weeks to warm up to it. So I had kind of the, the launching pad on the bachelorette, got used to it. Once I was on the bachelor, it's like, 
it's almost like they're not there. So it really wasn't that challenging. Cool. Uh, so you weren't you weren't thinking that on the back end it was going to be watched by by millions of Americans and people worldwide. Well, it, it, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't always in the back of my head. Uh, you know, it's not like I knew like, okay, you can't say any off color jokes or anything like that because it's just not going to translate well when 12 million people are tuning in. But uh, yeah, you kind of always have that filter in the back of your head. But honestly, when it came to like talking to Catherine and, and, and uh, flirting or whatever, it, it felt fairly natural as weird as that sounds. Yeah, very cool. Um, so you got a lot going on. You know, you're, you're a husband and father. You got business endeavors going on. Uh, what kind of things do you like to do outside of that? Like maybe some hobbies or or anything like that. So my my main hobby, I, I work from home, as does Catherine, mm-hmm. um, and we have a nanny that comes over and helps with the kids. But like I'm I'm at home all day long, and it's a zoo every day. <laughs> it's chaos. You have three kids <laughs> under five years old. Someone's always screaming, crying, laughing, whatever. It's 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 a zoo. So my biggest hobby, honestly, is just going to the gym for like an hour a day. Like that's, that's my me time. There we go. Um, I should probably pick up golf or something like that, but I I like going to the gym. Uh, I would say outside of that, I love the UFC. So I'll keep up, I'll keep up with all the blogs, the the MMA blogs and all that stuff. And I, I watch all the UFC events. So that's, that's the two that come to mind. Very cool. Um, so in the gym, what's your, uh, do you have a, do you have a least favorite lift that you do consistently? Oh gosh. Uh, lately squats, squats been killer. I'm, I'm, I'm a taller guy. Like I'm six, three, the taller you are, the more awkward it can be <laughs> squats. And sometimes like mechanically it feels good. Sometimes it feels like garbage. Yesterday was one of those days where like just nothing felt right. So yeah. And, and legs, legs aren't as fun as like doing bench press or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, so you're uh, you're a Dallas guy. Um, what's your go-to? Uh, you have like a favorite professional team over there? Any any of the le- professional leagues you pay attention to more than more than others? My dad brainwashed me as a kid to root against the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> Why is they're, that? They're obviously the biggest team in town, most valuable uh, sports franchise in the world. I'm not a Cowboys fan. Okay. Um, you know, I would say probably the Texas Rangers but they have been complete garbage for the past three or four years. So it's really hard to root for a very bad baseball team. So my fingers are crossed in the next couple of years, we can dig our way out of it and be watchable again. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they can get it turned around before too long. <clears throat> Ugly here now. I'm a uh, different sport, but New York Knicks fan. So I can, I can kind of relate to that. We actually were semi-competitive this year, which, which was nice, but it's been, yeah, it's been a rough long couple time coming for the decades Knicks. at this point. Yeah. Um, any book recommendations, uh, that come to mind for, for men, husbands and fathers, or anybody who's looking to maybe, maybe just grow in any of those areas. Yeah. Okay. Let me think. Actually, I've got a list of the books I've read here recently. I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but I think I can pull this up pretty quickly. So I typically read three types of books for the most part. I have three interests. One is like nonfiction historical books. Yep. Two business, three faith-based, um, so with that said, so you're, you're asking, is there a book specifically t- targeting dads? Yeah. 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 Anything that you'd recommend for, for a dad or for a husband or, or really, or you, I guess you could take that another way too. Any of the other ones, maybe just a favorite recently. Yeah. Let's see here. You know, okay. <laughs> this is going to sound like a cliche answer and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to start preaching from the pulpit just yet, but That's any, all right. <laughs> anyone who wants to explore their faith, 
anyone who dives deeply into the Bible, you will see that it will teach you how to be the best possible husband, how to uh, raise your children. And there's no better example than, than that of Jesus, of course. So uh, that's, that sounds like a bit of a cliche answer, but I'm going to say, why don't you go ahead and flip on over to the New Testament, give that a read. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. Uh, I don't think I could think of a better suggestion myself. <laughs> it's hard to top that one. That, that's like the peak right there. That's it. Um, I don't know if you're a, a bucket list guy. Um, if you're not humorous and pretend that you are, uh, what would be one thing that's on your, uh, your bucket list right now? Uh, well, we've got, we've been talking for a while now. Our oldest son, Samuel is obsessed with animals. And I mean, like sits down every day. He would rather read his animal encyclopedia than go outside and play. Uh, so we've been talking for the longest time. Like when the kids get a little bit older, we really want to make it down to South Africa, probably. Wow. Um, and Catherine studied abroad in Kenya. So she's been to Africa. I've, I've never been to Africa, but we would love to do like the whole safari experience and and uh, see the animals in the wild. Uh, so that would definitely be on my bucket list uh, for sure. That's awesome. We, uh, we recently went down to Disney and did the, the little uh, Animal, Animal Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah, we did that little safari ride over there. We've been watching, uh, there, there's a show on the Disney app that kind of details Animal Kingdom. And it's got us intrigued. So we might have to head <laughs> out there. I'll, I'll have to talk to you later about what your experience was like with that. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and then I'll ask you the, the most over-asked question that all young parents or parents with young kids get asked. And I ask everybody on the show, are you getting any sleep right now? Uh, not bad. All my kids are sleeping for the most part. Now, what we've run into is uh, now our two boys like to get out of bed at like three or four in the morning and get in bed mm. with us. That's so a tough when you one. Have, and, and they don't just get in bed and sleep like they're they're going in circles like a clock the whole time, you know, kicking you in the face and headbutting you in the back and things like that. So that has interrupted sleep quite a bit lately. But all things considered, it's way better than the baby phase where they're crying every couple of hours. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. I'm uh, I'm glad to hear it. Um, all right. So I want to kind of transition now. I want to go back in time. If we can, if you can kind of take us back and okay. tell us a little bit about your childhood, you know, where you grew up, your family, siblings, what kind of kids you were, um, any influences in your life at that point in time. Yeah, I'll let sure. you kind of I take mean, that and run with it. I, I grew up in Irving, Texas, which just right outside of Dallas. Uh, really nice childhood, lived in a, like a, a, a modest little neighborhood and had two parents, have an older sister. Um, yeah, I kind of idyllic childhood, to be honest with you. I was raised with uh, a lot of kids because Irving is, is kind of blue collar, raised with a lot of kids who came from single parent households. So a lot of my best friends just had the one mother at home. So from a young age, I kind of got to see that, you know, my family is a bit different. Yep. Um, and I, I almost at a young age understood how, how much of a blessing that was, that I had both parents in the house and loving parents and, and all that. So um, I think I've always had a great deal of perspective as far as that's concerned. And, you know, I've had some friends who uh, didn't have dads growing up who have kind of overcompensated and they've turned into really great dads. And then you have some who sadly follow in their father's footsteps and have children and, and leave the picture. So um, yeah, from, from a young age, I just, I had a great father. I always knew once I got older and had kids, I wanted to emulate him and be like him. So great influence in my life, of course, and, and my mom as well. Uh, but yeah, had a, had a pretty typical childhood growing up. And then um, 
in high school, got offered to, to play football in Kansas. So I went up to Kansas State, played football, uh, graduated, came back to Dallas and just kind of lived my life as a single guy for a while. And bounced. I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. So I kind of bounced from job to job to job. And then the bachelorette came calling and kind of the rest is history. <laughs> yes, definitely. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'm going to put a pin right there because I will definitely come back and pick up from there. Um, but is, am I correct in saying, I think your, your dad and your grandfather were both uh, ministers or are both ministers? My grandfather was. Uh, my dad is not uh, a minister. He, he's like a deacon at the church. He preaches often. He teaches his Sunday school. Uh, he's not necessarily a minister. He's, he's in the insurance business, <laughs> like a lot of my family, which I did not want to get into. Probably a story for another time. But um, yeah, I've, I've definitely had a strong Christian influence in my life from, from godly men. So they kind of set the tone which, uh, you know, you talk about generational blessings and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that my kids see me as like, wow, I, I've, got, I've got to fill those boots when I'm, when I'm a father, right? You know, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I want my kids to see me in the Bible. I want my kids to see me treating people as, as, uh, as God would have me treat them and loving my neighbor and things like that. And I, I want them to feel obligated to live up to those uh, those high expectations which which i felt towards my dad so i think that there's no better legacy than to do that yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more with the way you said that and i love the way that you phrased it saying that you know by living such a great life or living the example so well that your kids almost feel an obligation to fill those shoes uh, yeah. that just made my dad come to mind there's so many things that come to mind where you know i just think back and i'm like man i know exactly what he would do in this situation. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to have, have that as well. Um, so then if we fast forward for you a little bit, you know, move on up, you played at Kansas state played, uh, for the legendary Bill Snyder, uh, hall of fame coach. Um, are there any lessons that you maybe learned from him? I know that that's a pivotal time in a lot of guys' lives, like that college time where you're trying to figure out how your head screwed on and which way you're going to be going and who you are as a person. Um, is there anything that comes to mind in particular that you've learned from him um, that you've kind of carried with you? Well, first and foremost is time management. He was notorious. <laughs> he had this thing, it, it sounds silly, but he called it cat time. So if he says the meeting starts at 11, you better be there by 1045 because he could start the meeting at like 1048, even though he said it was 11. And if right. you walked in after the meeting started, I mean, he would kick you out. You'd get embarrassed in front of the whole team. Uh, you would be petrified to show up late. And so to this day, I show up like 30 minutes early to everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time management's huge. But looking back at that time in my life, honestly, there's so much regret there because I was so immature and not ready for that next chapter of life. Uh, football was something I always enjoyed, but it kind of came easy to me. So I got the college scholarship and then I get up there and of course everyone at that level is really, really good and was the best at their high school and so forth. I just didn't put in the work. Uh, I was kind of lazy to be honest with you. Um, and the same applied to myself in the classroom too. I just did enough to get by. And uh, that's always been one of my life's greatest regrets. I wish I could have gone back, not to say I would have had a brilliant career and gone to the NFL. I probably wouldn't have. Uh, but just the fact that I didn't give it my all still bugs me to this day. So yeah, that is a lesson that I've taken forward as I've grown and matured. Of course, I see the error of my ways, but 
such a such a wasted opportunity. Now I had a wonderful time, made a lot of great friends, um, wonderful experiences and memories and so forth. But uh, yeah, I wish I had handled myself more maturely back in those days. Do you feel like there was a point in time after that when you were looking back where you kept like the maybe the the flip or the switch flipped and you you realized that maybe that you hadn't given it your all and you know it made you want to I guess be better moving forward. Yeah, probably just getting into the real world and realizing quickly that uh, if you want to be the best at whatever it is you're doing, you have to work your tail off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> once, once you get into the real world, you realize like, wait a minute, I'm not a millionaire yet. What's going on? Well, you haven't put in the work yet. Um, and the same applies to sports or whatever it is that you're doing. You know, you just to be the very best, you have to put in so much work. Um and I think most satisfaction, like our business now, we've, it's been such a blessing. We've, we've been able to create this, this great business that's growing like gangbusters, but I get more satisfaction from building the business from the hard work that we've done than like any type of financial reward that we receive from the business. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I wish that I could look back and say, man, I have, I've got so much satisfaction because I gave it everything I had when that's just not the case, but that's Okay. We live and we learn. That's kind of what life's all about. Yeah. And the, the lesson being learned there is, I guess, the, that's the most important part. You know, I, I think about that a lot. Uh, you know, I think about regret being such a powerful tool for motivation, you know, to get us to, to move and do the things that we know that we need to do now. Um, I often look forward and think back and say, you know, what would I regret doing or not doing in this situation? Yeah. Um, so I like I the way can, you kind of phrase that. I can share that lesson with my kids and they make <clears throat> the same mistakes. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so then we, so you graduate from Kansas state, you said you kind of hopped around from job to job for a little while. And then was the bachelorette, the next, I guess, larger milestone in your life at that point. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I, when I talk to people or do public speaking, I always tell them like, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, I always knew that I I didn't really want to work the typical nine to five. That's what my dad did. And that's, it was great for him. It was great Mm -hmm. for our family. Um, no disrespect to the to people in selling insurance. I just knew I didn't want to do that. <laughs> and so, yeah, I bounced from job to job to job, not really having any clear direction of, of what I wanted to do. I just knew like yep. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted that freedom. Um, and so I tried various things and then I, I started this little business. Long story short, it went under super hard for me personally. Um, and so what did I do? I, I did get into the, the family insurance business, which I always said I would never do. Mm-hmm. And I, I promise you, I used to pray every night, like, God, if you want me to be here, I'll be here. But you know, this is not what I want. You know, I want to do something more outside the box. And it was at this time that my sister had submitted an application for the show. Uh, I did not know about it. I, I was familiar with the show, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. And uh, I, I get a call from casting director at The Bachelorette and uh, you know, I, I said, no, thanks. I'm not that type of guy who wants to do this stupid reality <laughs> show. And she said, well, just think about it. At the very least, it could be a chance to travel the world. So I go back to work the next day, selling insurance, which I didn't enjoy doing. And then I thought, you know what, a free vacation travel in the world. That sounds pretty good. So I called her back. Next thing you know, I'm on the show. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you, you didn't, uh, you didn't, weren't exactly walking around with your hand in the air asking to, uh, get on the bachelorette. No, looking no, to jump was, in, was, looking for love. That wasn't you, huh? 
I was quite resistant. And then once I started, uh, once I called the casting director back and started doing the application process, I started to get more and more excited about it. Like, okay, yeah. this could be like a, a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? Yeah. I had, uh, you know, I, I certainly didn't think I was going on there to meet my, meet my wife or anything like that. I just thought, yeah. you know what? I'm going to be on TV. That's <laughs> exciting in and of itself. And then the chance to travel the world sounded really cool. Um, so yeah, did, did the, uh, I think I, they flew me out to LA and I had to do some stuff in front of the camera. Then they, they told me to pack my bags. That's awesome. Um, so on the bachelorette, just out of my own curiosity, it seems like you would have just a ton of spare time out in these places that are just like paradise, uh, with limited time with, with the one girl, everybody's chasing, but a lot of time with, with all the dudes chasing her. What did you guys do to, to kill the time? Like just hanging out and like, what was the camaraderie level? Like, like I'd have to imagine you walked out of there with some friendships. Well, that, that's a great question. So, uh, cynically, I went into it thinking like, <laughs> almost like I'm better than them. Like, I'm not going to get along with these guys who want to be a part of this stupid reality show. Yeah. How hypocritical is that? Because I'm one of these guys that's now a part of this stupid reality show. And to my great surprise, there were a lot of great guys and I made friends with a lot of them and, and a lot of cool guys. Um, and, and yeah, to your point, there was a lot of dead time and they don't like, you get to travel to these cities and they would let us out every once in a while, but we'd have to be escorted with a producer and they'd let us do a little thing here or there. Uh, but yeah, for a lot of it, you're just kind of sitting around the hotel bored out of your mind. And yeah. then the producers will come over and like try to manufacture a conversation, right? Like, hey, yeah. what do you think she's doing on this date with Jeff today? And you got to have these forced <laughs> conversations, which are kind of awkward. Um, but, it, you know, all in all, it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, almost more fun than being The Bachelor because of the camaraderie, because you get to experience it with other guys. That's awesome. Um, so at what point going through the show, you said you kind of went in like, kind of going in for a good time, once in a lifetime experience. Uh, at what point, I guess on that show, did you realize like this could be for real? You know, may, maybe I am here uh, for the reason that the show was made. And I guess when did you start having real feelings through that process? It's a tricky question, man, because looking back at it, these producers are so good at what they do. And so you really, <laughs> you're in this bubble, you're cut off from the outside world, right? So there's only one woman and of course they make her out to be the greatest woman to ever walk the face of the earth. And uh, the word manipulate is kind of harsh, but these producers <laughs> know what they're doing. And yeah. you know, they just start these conversations like, wow, you know, there's such a strong connection between you and so-and-so. And you're like, I've never thought about it. I guess, well, I guess there is a strong connection, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of a long winded way of saying, um, I don't, I don't know exactly how real those feelings were it, and where's the line between manipulation and the real, real feelings. And I, I'm sad to say, like, sometimes it's hard to differentiate. Um, but it definitely took for me several weeks to, to kind of take it seriously, so to speak, or to think like there may be anything here. Uh, but boy, am I glad that that did not work out in my favor on The Bachelorette. Yeah, yeah, there we go. The rest is uh, rock and roll history, right? That's right. Um, so then, you know, fast forward after, after the bachelorette, you become the bachelor and, you know, long story short is you do find the love of your life and, uh, you guys are still happily married today with, with a handful of kids. So coming out of that time on, on the bachelor, um, when, when my wife and I watch the show, <clears throat> watch it every now and then, and, 
we we jokingly call like you referred to it as the bubble we kind of jokingly refer to it as as la la land like everything looks perfect like everything's perfectly manicured like uh, all the circumstances are i guess tailored to limit any variable to come in and, and ruin things so when you guys got married or you know we're coming off the show you got engaged you rode off on an elephant in the sunset in thailand like just awesome uh but definitely like the la la land scenario when you go from there to real life where it's real life and there's other variables coming at you from all different angles can you talk to us a little bit about that transition time yeah uh super difficult <laughs> it's <laughs> like people always come up to me and, and uh, they want to talk about like the low success rate of the bachelor and i'll say like are you kidding me there's like i don't know how many couples have actually gotten married three or four maybe uh, I'm like, that is surprisingly high considering everything you have going against you. And the reason I say it was extremely difficult, you know, Catherine's from Seattle, uh, Pacific Northwest, obviously starkly different than Dallas, Texas. Uh, she had to leave her family, her friends, her job behind. Uh, she made all these gigantic sacrifices uh, to spend the rest of her life with me, kind of take on my life, my friends, which is challenging, would be challenging for anyone. Uh, not to mention that before we got engaged, we'd probably spent a cumulative, I don't know, six, eight hours together. <laughs> uh, I mean, just the circumstances are absolutely ridiculous. And then on top of that, usually the lead, so in my case, me, the bachelor, uh, I'm being pulled a million different directions. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, fame, fame plays a part. Everyone wants you to uh, to be a part of this or be a part of that. And uh, it's tricky, man. And so, like, I I totally get it. When these couples break up, it's it's definitely for the best. Because yeah. <laughs> it is so hard under any circumstances to make a, a relationship healthy and to make it work uh, to the point where you want to spend the rest of your life and have a successful marriage. But when it's done under these circumstances, it's it's nearly impossible. Uh, yeah. And the only thing that that got us through it is our faith. I can tell you that up front like this. It shouldn't have worked. There's no way it should have worked. Uh, but we stayed grounded in our faith. We committed to our faith and then we committed to ourselves uh, next. And yeah, it wasn't always easy, but uh, we've, we've definitely been blessed because of it. That's awesome. That's uh, that's incredible. Um, talk to me a little bit about Catherine and uh, the role that she plays in your family. It sounds like from what you're saying, she is uh, the real MVP and a lot of the sacrifices. I can hear that gratitude already coming through and your appreciation for her. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, the role that she plays in your family with everything that you guys have going on with the three kids and, uh, and maybe how you support her in her role. Oh man, that's, that's a really big question. I don't think I can adequately articulate <laughs> just what she means to our family. I'll put it this way. If you took Catherine out of the equation, me and my three kids would probably be uh, eating food out of the trash can because we just we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to survive. She is the glue that holds this household together. I mean, she she coordinates our, our kids are involved in so much stuff. She coordinates it all. She she I'm going to make myself sound like I don't do anything, which that, that's OK. Uh, like all she, good. She's picking out the clothes they wear. She's getting their food ready. She's She's uh, constantly showering them with love all while running her own business and doing the million things that she does uh, outside of, of being mom. Uh, I can't sing my wife's praises enough. Like she's just, she's incredible. I think women as a whole deserve a lot more credit than they probably get. 
Uh, Amen. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing to watch my wife just do this very, very difficult, hard thing every single day without getting a break. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. And uh, I, the reason I love asking that question is kind of like what I alluded to leading into it. It's just for for other guys, you know, anybody who's listening to hear the the appreciation. Um, that really is shining through in your answer right there. And, and when you, when you get guys to open up about their wives, it's more, more than often what you, what you hear. And it's uh, like you said, we need more of that need, to, you know, they don't always get the, the love and the appreciation and the recognition, maybe public re- recognition that they deserve. Yeah. And I think that's important. And, and today it's so easy. It's, it's uh, you know, you always hear guys just kind of making little jabs or jokes at their wife's expense. Like, mm-hmm. You know, whatever the case may be, oh, she won't let me do this or, oh, she, you know, I come home, the house is a wreck or whatever it may be. It's like, man, not only is that not doing anyone any good, but it's so disrespectful to your wife. You know, we should be lifting our wives up a lot more than we do. Yeah, absolutely. And and just a complete lack of, you know, ownership of the situation. Like you said, oh, man, the house is a wreck. Like maybe pick it up yourself. Or or how about awareness of all the other stuff she's doing? And I'm. (laughs) I'm not, not to say like, I'm constantly praising my wife because I've certainly been guilty of it. Uh, where maybe I I say something about something and she's like, well, did you notice these 12 other things I did over here? (laughs) And I immediately, I feel this big, but, um, yeah, we should definitely encourage and and lift up our wives more than we do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something I've been thinking a lot about recently in particular, you know, I feel like as a guy, I'm very, and I think a lot of us are a little bit more, like we think a little bit more linearly, you know, thinking like I'm going to do this and then move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I know my wife, like she's got like a million things going on. She's doing them yeah. all simultaneously. And then like, they're all done. And I'm still kind of just like working on my one thing. And then I, like, I'll be like, Oh, I did my one thing. And she's like, all right, <laughs> exactly. that, that's great, honey. And then I look, yep. I'm like, Oh, you did everything else. Got it. Yep. Um, so tell me a little bit about what date night looks like for you guys. Uh, you know, now. Yeah. So um, anytime date nights brought up, we, we do enjoy the occasional date night. We went to dinner not too long ago, just me and her. And, and it's great. I definitely encourage date nights in this chapter of our lives with three kids. It's like, we're so exhausted at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what we enjoy the most is getting the kids to bed in watching a movie or watching a show on TV, like uninterrupted, just a couple hours of, of us time, relaxing, decompressing. So um, it's almost like we have a date night, probably five nights a week. Cause that's like yeah. from seven to nine, we try to get the kids down at seven. So from like seven to nine, that's our time where we can just be together uh, watching TV or watching movies. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll do the occasional date night. And it's been nice now that, that COVID's ramping down to get out and, be amongst the public again but uh yeah for the most part honestly rather than going to the hassle of getting dressed up and all that stuff we just rather stay at home and chill out yeah very cool we actually do same thing same schedule kids down at seven and we are we're pretty religious about that because the Bro, next two hours is important it is so important I, I i have friends with kids who let their kids step to like nine o'clock and i'm like oh, what are you doing oh, you i have couldn't no do it yourself i couldn't do it i don't know yeah. how they do it um so if you could go back in time and give yourself um, some, some marriage advice going back to, you know, right before you're about to get married, 
which happened to be on live television out in Santa Barbara. It was beautiful. Uh, but if you could give yourself some, some advice at that point in time, knowing what you know now, um, what might that be? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, number one, I would say you've got to work on your empathy. Uh, <laughs> my wife, as, as uh, probably most women are, she is an emotional creature. And uh, me being a dude, I'm, I'm just not. And so it took me a long time to realize instead of uh, trying to solve her problems, just try your best to be empathetic. You know, it's, it's funny. Yeah, that's it's like, good she would describe some issues she was having. And of course, me being a stupid guy, I would say like, well, here's the answer. All you have to do is do this and it's all fixed. Yeah. Whereas really all she was looking for is like, oh, wow, that sucks, honey. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. that's way better than solving her problem. And that I'm sad to say that took me a while to figure out. But uh, empathy is number one. Um, you know, number two is just you really have to work at uh, loving your, your spouse. And that doesn't stop. It won't stop until we're in the ground. Um, but you can't rely on the emotion of love, despite what the bachelor would have you to believe. Like <laughs> it takes work. No marriage is perfect. There are definitely going to be times where you don't feel like you love your wife or you don't want to love your wife. Like marriage can be challenging. Anyone who's married will tell you that. Um, but you got to work at it. You got to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, um, for the, for the, uh, for the good of your marriage. And, um, you know, it took us a little time to figure out and, uh, you know, that's okay. I think everyone goes through some growing pains on one level or another. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm no so doubt. proud to say like every year we're married, it feels like it was better than the previous year, uh, which is super exciting because it makes us really excited for the future. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's beautiful. And that's, that's really great advice. I mean, I would absolutely echo all those things you just said, and I don't think I could say it any better. <laughs> so I will, uh, I'll take that and move on. We'll transition a little bit. Talk about your kids. Um, can you give us a quick rundown on the three kiddos, how old they are and, and maybe what they're into a little bit? Yep. Three kids, Samuel's five, Isaiah's three, Mia's 18 months. Uh, Samuel, as I alluded to earlier, absolutely just obsessed with animals. That's all he wants to do. Play with animals, talk about animals, read about animals. The kid loves animals, um, which I think is really cool. I, I don't think I had a passion as strong as that when I was five years old. Yeah. He's super smart. Um, he's shown that in preschool already. So that's exciting too. And it's also a bit, uh, uh, was maybe nerve wracking for me and Catherine because we know we have to harness his intellect and, and, and make sure we're doing the things necessary as parents to, you know, kind of curate that and yeah, sure yeah. make the most of it. Uh, Isaiah, he's just like the sweetest kid in the world, always laughing, follows in big brother's footsteps. Uh, so now he's playing with animals and doing all that stuff too. But he's kind of our, he's kind of our brute you know, he'll run headfirst into a wall and not cry. Whereas Samuel, you know, kind of nicks <laughs> his finger on something. He cries. <laughs> and then Mia, I mean, Mia's just my little angel. She is yeah. the best. Um, I, I, I can't imagine having a sweeter little girl, always smiling, never in a bad mood. Um, just daddy's little girl. She had me wrapped around her finger from day one. So I How's imagine. that transition been going from so going from girl uh, boy dad to to having a girl? I've I've got 
a four-year-old and a two-year-old myself, both boys, and we're actually in the process of adopting a little girl. So I'm, I'm kind of getting geared up, getting my mind right to be a girl dad myself. Any advice for me making that transition? Uh, well, one, good call on, on bringing a girl <laughs> into the family because they're way better than boys. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would... I would trade 10 of my boys for one girl. So that's, <laughs> they're just, they're incredible. You know, I'd, I'd always heard, cause I started with two boys. I'd always heard like, no, girls are just different. Girls are different. And then I get yeah. a girl and it's like, oh, this, they weren't lying. She's amazing. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Um, if you think about, you know, everything that you do as a dad, everything that that entails, is there anything that sticks out? Like, you know, maybe your favorite part about being a father. Hmm. That's a pretty deep question too. Uh, favorite part about being a father, probably first thing that comes to mind is just being able to spend quality time with them every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tell them I love them every day, which I think is super important, but also just, you know, playing with my kids, wrestling on the ground, making them laugh. Uh, it always makes me feel good. It kind of affirms if I ever question like, cause parenting can be hard right if you have a kid you know that uh there, yep. there are definitely going to be days where you're like man i suck at this parenting thing you're like i'm such a bad parent i shouldn't have said that to my kid i shouldn't have behaved that way but it's always affirmed like when i walk in the house when i've been gone for a while and the kids come running to me and want to hug me and stuff like that like that's that's the most amazing feeling in the world uh so yeah i'd say quality time is, is number one for me awesome awesome um so to, to transition again, just a little bit, Sean, so you are, um, you're a guy who's done a lot. Like we said at the beginning, you know, played college football, played for a hall of fame coach, you, you know, pop culture icon and, you know, <laughs> entrepreneur and, um, you've got a lot of good, you, you just got so many great things going on. Uh, you're, you're a charismatic, super likable guy. And you come across as a guy who's just kind of got it all figured out, you know, great husband and father. And it's very, that really shines through on your, on your social media and for anybody who talks to you and, and listens to you. So I'm going to ask two similar questions and you can, you can kind of pick uh, one of those to answer based off of what I just said. So all those things considered, is there, is there anything that you maybe struggle with personally, or is there anything that you are currently maybe trying to, to work on within yourself? Ooh, um, great question. So something I struggle with personally, I, I do have struggles. I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's, it's something along the lines of the, the more you seek God, the more you realize you need him. Um, I can't tell you who said that. And I'm sure I don't have a quote just right, but that's the gist of it. Right. Yep. I find that to be so true because the more I spend time with God, the more I, I spend time in the Bible, reading his words, spending time with him daily praying. I just realize, like, man, I'm so flawed. Um, I can, I can be selfish. I can be greedy. I can be lustful. You name it. Like I am, I am so flawed. So I'm, I'm constantly feeling, um, like God, I don't deserve all these blessings. I don't deserve your goodness. Yep. I don't think that's a bad way to feel because then like the, the majestic nature of realizing like all that doesn't matter. Like those sins, those shortcomings, they've all been paid for on the cross. You are perfect in God's sight because of Jesus. Um, I mean, that's just, it, it's hard to articulate the way that makes me feel. So um, I, I, I'm not sure that answers your question exactly, but I do realize like, I, I try to spend time in my Bible every day. 
I just realized like, man, I'm, I'm flawed in so many different areas. You know, there are times where I concern myself too much with what people think of me or, you know, am I making enough money? Is, uh, is, is my house as nice as this guy's house over here? You know, like I, I still struggle with all that stuff, um, which I know I shouldn't, but at the same time, like I said, I've, I've been forgiven every day. I strive to be better. Uh, I strive to put those negative feelings, thoughts, actions behind me. Um, but yeah, I mean, every, every day is, every day is a struggle in, in one way or another. And so those <laughs> of you who are listening to this, who have specific struggles, like you're not alone. Uh, and they're not, they're not so bad that, that God won't forgive you because he's already paid that price on the cross. You just have, you just have to go to him and ask for his forgiveness. Right. Well, again, perfect answer. Um, that's awesome. It's uh, always easy if you if you if you just go to God. It's hard to argue with. So I'm just going to keep going back to God. Every answer. There we go. You can't miss. It's automatic. <laughs> um, so one more one more real question for you, and then we'll uh, you know I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time and get you out of here. So you know, it, God willing, you know our kids are going to grow up. We're going to grow old, and one day we're going to pass on. And legacy was something that you touched on um, earlier in the interview. I think about legacy and. One of the most important parts of that being the, uh, like the emotion, the memories, the moments um, that we leave with our kids that they can carry with them once, once we're gone. So thinking back, you know, on your family, if, if you can put yourself in that position, what do you want your kids to, to remember or to think about um, when they think about their dad? Oh man, you're hitting me with some heavy questions here today. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say first, I hope they remember me as a uh, Christ follower, someone who pursued Jesus daily and, uh, you know, walk the walk instead of just talk the talk. So that's, that's number one. Number two, I hope they remember me as just someone who was full of uh, love. Uh, Catherine and I have always said we want our home to be full of love and laughter. Uh, so I hope they, they remember me as like, man, dad was so fun. He loved me so much. He always made the best of every situation. Uh, I felt safe when I was with dad, you know, things like that. That's, yep. that's how I want them to remember me. Uh, you know, legacy, legacy is a funny thing, man. I, I had the opportunity to preach at my church a few weeks ago and I touch on legacy and today just look on Instagram. You see so many people talk about legacy, but what they talk about is like creating generational wealth so that when I'm gone, you know, my grandkids won't have to work and things like that. Or like, I don't know. There's honestly, I, I, I love this. A, a pastor friend of mine put it this way. He said, tell me the name of your great, great grandfather. So your grandfather's grandfather. Most people don't know his name. And so his point is like, we're all going to be forgotten. Every one of us. You know, may, maybe 200 years from now, people remember the name Jeff Bezos or, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk, maybe, yeah. right? But for the most part, we're all going to be forgotten. So why, why are we going to live for all these earthly things? Your generational wealth will not do squat. Honestly, it's, it's probably going to mess your grandkids up more than anything. So how many stories of <laughs> super wealthy uh, uh children and grandchildren and so forth go off the deep end. Um, so yeah, I, I, I want my legacy to be one of, you know, that guy followed God with his whole heart, shared Jesus with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, he's, we know where he's spending eternity. So that's, that's honestly what I want my legacy to be.
Awesome stuff, man. That's so good. Um, again, want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to get you out of here. Um, Sean, where can people find you if they want, or is there anything that you have going on that you want to direct people to currently? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just a simple sofa salesman. If you guys are looking for your oversized sectional and sofa, come, come see me. I don't know. I'm, I'm on Instagram and making fun of my kids on there and stuff like that. But, uh, I'm, I'm not here to pitch anything today. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy just to take part in this podcast and, uh, hopefully it's reaching a lot of guys out there who need to hear it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy and, uh, you know, we, we absolutely really, really appreciate it. So, um, we got a lot of good notes here and I'm excited to, uh, to listen, listen to this one back again. Uh, once we, once we press pause here. So thanks thanks so much for for coming on. I I appreciate what you're doing, the message you're putting out there. So keep up the good work. All righty. Talk soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.